Welcome to Younger Older. I am Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today I come to you with a friend, Mike Gallo, and he is just a little younger than me. So Younger Older is kind of a misnomer today because we're about the same age. He's about a year younger than I am. And he's been coming up to Silver Birch Ranch. How many years, Mike? Oh, ever since my youngest was in diapers. So it's over two decades, probably about uh, 20 some, 22 years or so. Yeah, well, why do you keep coming to Silver Birch Ranch? What is it that attracts you? It's just the mission of camp. I mean, it's it's always been, uh, and the people I know up here, are, the founders are still here. Right. Uh, all the teachers at NBI are still here, and we, my family grew up with them. I mean, we came up as a part of our church, the Elmwood Park Bible Church at the time, was uh, our pastor at the time was the, uh, went to Moraine Valley, well, right. obviously your father was a mentor to him. Yeah. And uh, we started coming up. I used to go to Camp Awana because that's the only camp I sure. knew. Sure, right. Uh, and then when we started coming up as a church uh, to the family camps, uh, my, my two were young. I mean, Josh was about seven at the time and Matthew was two. Uh, and we didn't always come up to the family camps, but I started coming up to the men's retreats. And, sure. Uh, Matthew especially started coming up to help out when he got a little older uh, in summer staff and things of that nature. Yeah, it's been a couple of decades. You're still coming back, and I keep thinking, why are you here? Why, I, why do you keep coming? What does it do to help you in your life? For me, uh, like for right now, we're sitting here uh, in October. We're at the men's retreat. And I haven't missed a men's retreat in probably six years when I first started coming, either spring and fall. And I just like to come to get away. I'm not necessarily big on the rock climbing and the shooting or, or right. anything like that. All but the other I, stuff. We have a gun range, by the way. We yeah. don't just randomly western the shooting thing. But uh, we do have a, yeah. a skeet uh, kind of shooting place and a pistol range that we have here for men. And uh, we'll do it for the ladies' retreat. In certain retreats, we open it, but we don't open it all the time. So you're fortunate. You're you're of the right age and gender, I guess, yeah. to use that thing. So, so but yeah, I do enjoy uh, getting away, uh, meditating on the word, uh, just thinking about life, what's important, what's not. Uh, we're in a society now where it's, it's just ramp speed. I mean, so much has changed even in the last four years. Uh, I for 20 years was a daycare teacher over at the, I ended up at the Lydia Home Association, uh, maybe many that are And here. what is the Lydia Home? What do they do? Lydia Home Association is a combination of a preschool, daycare, okay. but primarily they house wards of the state. All right. So one side of the three flat is for the boys and the other side of the three flat is for the girls. Is There's, that a modern way of saying orphanage? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, wards of the state are children, yeah. minors that don't have anywhere to go. They've been taken away from families for the for time being. For some reason. Right. Or, okay. Uh, and for at times I would help fill in for the house parents. A lot of them were married, and for them to get away, uh, I would go spend a Friday night and stay overnight with the kids. But primarily I was, uh, I was with the daycare preschool. Uh, so I did that for 20 years, and from then moved on to a family business that sells uh, medical supplies, okay. defibrillators, first aid supplies, CPR classes, things of that nature. Did that for 20 years before it was bought out by a corporation 
owned by a private equity firm and then bought out by another private equity firm owned by a, or another corporation owned by a private equity firm, which is where I'm at to this day. But for a long time, I've been thinking of moving on. Okay. Uh, now, you are a believer in Christ? Yes. And, and how, how did you become one who was a believer? I was at Triton College uh, back in the early 80s, and I was searching. I was raised in the Catholic faith, but there were no answers there, and I had a lot of questions. Uh, and as many as you probably have seen over the course of the years at N- NBI, a lot of the young kids have a lot of questions, a lot of fears, a lot of insecurities that maybe they're afraid to even bring out, but they're there and they, they're the demons right. in, in their lives. I had those in college and I, I did not know where to turn. And I took a psychology class and what I saw in that psychology class was a bunch of sick people. Mm-hmm. No more than the teacher who would walk around biting his nails and fidgeting, and it's like, this, there's got to be something more than this. But in that class, there was one person, one young lady, as plain as can be, would dress in corduroys and turtlenecks up to her you know, chin. Nothing special about her except her demeanor. Hmm. I mean, she just had a way about her, a shining in her eyes, a smile that just did not fit in with the class. And we start meeting for lunch every Tuesday, every Thursday. Uh, and I spent all that time telling her my problems and mm-hmm. stuff. And she just patiently listened, listened, listened. This went on for about three months. Uh, finally, I got fed up with it because I'm telling her my problems and she's just steady. S- straight, just yep. steady as can be. Listening to you. And I was frustrated. I said, don't you have any problems? I go, what do, what's going on here? Don't you have anything to say? She goes, oh, problems? She goes, she, she goes, yeah. She rolled up her sleeves. She had slit both of her wrists at some point. Hmm. And it just really took me back. She goes, yeah, I've got problems. I go, well, what's the difference? She goes, I was waiting for you to ask that question. The difference is Jesus. I place my faith in Christ. Uh, before she told me that, I ran into some guy that just literally came up within two inches of my face and stopped me and said, you're going the wrong way. Hmm. And I thought he knew who April was. I said, do you know who April is? Where, where is she? So I don't know April. I go, but the Bible study's upstairs. And I just dismissed him. Wanted hmm. nothing to do with that type of interaction. I wanted everything to do with what I was hearing from her without even know, knowing it was Jesus she was right. leading me to. Uh, from that day on, uh, I started going to her church. It was the Melrose Park Bible Church. The pastor you know right. very well, Dave Johnson. Sure. Uh, he led me to the Lord about six months later. Wow. Uh, so really, there was someone who got in your life who just listened to you. That's it. And you were in a college environment. And, right. and they just listened and waited for the opportunity to show you that they were normal, that they were sinful, that they struggled. But how to overcome that? Exactly. Wow. And that... that that person then was used tremendously of God in your life to bring you to him. That is correct. Uh, remember to this day, uh, that was the beginning of a foundation that's now 40-some years in the making. Has not always been smooth. I've been blessed by God immeasurably. Uh, 
sometimes I think I get uh, blessings that other people don't, but I'm sure they get blessings that right. they think they get that nobody else gets. Uh, little things, uh, coming up to camp uh, this weekend and getting Lone Star. It's right. like, okay. That's, that's a cabin he likes. Yeah, there's the a cabin. That's, that's what I've, Lone Star is. I've never been in, and, saw, and then you know, just to have that opportunity to, you know, Sure, just get see away God, and, yeah get yeah. away just see how God works how God's worked in my family's life my youngest son who I referenced Matthew came to NBI in 2018 class of 2019 he hasn't come home yet yeah now NBI is the Nicolay Bible Institute that's the college we run here and the real goal of it is that young people regardless of what they want to do in life they need to know the Bible and they need to know how to serve God they need to know that you know to serve and if they if they know the Bible and they become a servant, then God will use them. And that's what happened. You just described this girl that came to you and was really being used of God to, to bring you to him. Exactly and right. anybody that's listening, I don't care what your job is or isn't today. You could be a student. You could be working at McDonald's or Culver's or something. You could be a, the, the Fortune 500 president of, of some great company. Your life can be used by God to bring people to himself. If you walk with God and you know God and you love God and you serve people, this life isn't about serving yourself. And this this girl showed that to you. You didn't marry this girl or anything, did you? No, haven't so, seen so, her since So basically this was not a romantic in interest. It wasn't a romantic because sometimes some guys might be rolling their eyes going, oh, yeah, some girl's talking to you. You're sitting there drooling all over the place. Yeah. and. And, and thinking, oh, you know, here's my chance. I need to behave with this girl so that, you know, whatever you wanted to achieve from that. But that's not how it was. This person no. was just a friend. And do you know where they are today? I do not know where she's at today. Uh, I pray for her sometimes. My first Bible came from her. Uh, but I do know that, and I remember vividly, that her goal was only to point me to the Lord and get out of the way. Okay. Uh and which is exactly what she did. I made a lot of friends through that church uh, when I was there. And uh, I just, you know, it's a lesson to learn that, number one, you brought up that uh, I was led to that spot. That's no accident. I, right. had, I had a seeking heart. Right. But I didn't quite know what I was seeking right. for. Right. But that's what brings Matthew 17 seven and eight in the play where God promises if you seek, you'll find. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I've learned in the last many years is, and I tell this to the kids when I'm doing Sunday school classes or messages to Awana clubs, God knows your heart. Yeah, and, I, and I'll always ask them a question. How many of you guys have ever said something you know that's not what you meant, but it was taken in a way that painted you in the corner where in an unfavorable light, and the hands always go up. Sure. I go, people may not understand your heart, but that's what God looks at. So you're not defined by what people think. You're defined by who God says you are. Right. And there's great comfort in knowing that, okay, I might not even know. And it says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I don't even understand my heart half the time. Right. But God does. And there are plenty of times I just say, I don't know what I mean, Lord, but, but you know where I'm at and you know what I mean. And I need you right now. Yeah. And there's a piece there that 
that comes. Uh, if there's anybody young out there looking, I, we came up Thursday. Uh, if you're ever thinking of coming up to Men's Retreat, gentlemen, come the day before. There's a Thursday early sign-up time. You come and you just have time to just enjoy God's nature, maybe conversations with whoever you come up with, or just be by yourself. Uh, and it's just that we had the opportunity this time to come up and listen to interns that are working here on the camp for the different programs give their testimonies to the current group of NBI students, Nicolay Bible Institute students. And I start thinking, because I've been going through a lot of stuff lately, uh, I wonder if I'll have the opportunity to say something to these kids because if they're anywhere like I was back then, they could learn something that it took me maybe 40 years to learn. Yeah. And that's that, uh, well, just for, I guess just to bring things into light, back in 2019, uh, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And there were three different treatments at the time. I took the one that was the, it's called a, a seed implantation thing. And it took care of it. It took care of the cancer for three years. Uh, and at, from that point on, you start thinking, your your life here on earth is mortal. Right. But you're going to live forever. As a, as a believer in Christ, you, you're eternally, you know where your hope is at. Just before we came up again for this family or this uh, men's retreat, now we're in 2022, uh, I took some tests and it showed that my PSA levels had skyrocketed. And I thought at first, this is a mistake. Hey, this can't be. And PSA it. levels show that there's a prostate cancer problem. Problem, For right. those that don't know what that means, that, yeah. that's kind of what that means. And uh, it skyrocketed. When I'm talking skyrocketed, it was five times greater than it should be in a normal setting. And so I thought it was a mistake, so I took the test again. Uh, within a week, it was even higher than it was wow. the first time. So my doctor recommended that I get a PET scan. I got the PET scan on Tuesday of this week, which brings us two days before I came up to camp. Right. And they basically said, okay, the doctor will contact you with any results. Uh, if you don't hear from him Friday, give us a call. I heard from him Wednesday. Uh, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. They call it prostate cancer, but it's it's not in the prostate. That was clear. The lymph nodes were clear. But there's lesions on different bones, and they're calling it a stage four cancer. My first question was, what happened to the stages one, two, and three? There you, know, you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sometimes it is confusing. Yeah. And, and our listeners know we've been going through cancer at our home, too, so go on. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this guy, uh, anybody that's listening, especially you younger people, uh, as I was sitting in, I, I'm going to get some recommendations from the oncologist when after we get back from camp and stuff but it wasn't when I got the results when I got the call from the doctor even the word metastasize even the stage four I wasn't downtrodden I wasn't downcast I wasn't fearful uh, I've been digging in a lot more with God lately not that I never was really away from him but more intentional more aware of my mortality, more aware of 
what's important as I get older and think about retiring. Uh, what do I want to do? How do I want to be used by God in whatever time I've got left? This is even before I, I got this uh, prognosis. But after getting the prognosis and coming up on Thursday fresh off of it, listening to the testimonies of the interns and some of the backgrounds they had and, and, and tough times they continued to go through, I made up my mind that if Steve who's one of the staff members who was sitting like right next to me almost, turned around and said, okay, anybody older want to add on to this? I was going to take that as a sign that I got some stuff I, I, I could tell these kids. And basically what I would tell anybody, younger, older, or anything, is at that moment that I got that, there was a joy in my life. Driving up, I remember I could probably point out the spot coming up north where the sun was hitting the trees, the colors were changing, and I was just praising God for his goodness. Mm. And I start thinking, that's what these kids would need to hear. They don't have to go 40 years to get that in. If they take grasp of this at a young age, they could get a nice head start on being used by God in their lives to reach others who are always going to come up. There's always going to be someone they can connect with. Uh, there's always going to be someone they they can serve. And that's my desire to whatever time God gives me. It could be years. It could, literally, he could snap his fingers and this could be gone. Uh, or he can say you got a year left. I remember a couple years ago, uh, a gentleman up at camp that was camp staff, right? And you referenced him in one of the men's retreats, and he was living that way. He was. He and would, in fact, we did a lot of younger olders with him, and you can go back into the files here and find it. His name was Nate, and it was Dave and Nate. And we talked about his cancer, and, and the Lord took him home, and, and I had the privilege of doing his funeral. So, And he's rejoicing at this moment. I, I promise anyone listening here that Nate is rejoicing now. Is there heartache in that involved with that for family members? Yes. Uh, I was talking with Dave. Yeah, let's, let's back that up a little bit and look at it. You, are you afraid to die? No. No. See, I've said so often on this program that death to, to a believer is not a catastrophe. It's not a disaster. It's an event. It's it's a, it's a something that we, it's like, you know, there's certain events in life that you go through. You talked about retirement. Well, that's kind of an event. I mean, you go through a time where you say, I'm done working for, you know, money or whatever it might be, and I'm going to now retire. That's an event that takes place. Supper is an event. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to eat supper. I, you know, when you look at it, death is something that's going to happen to every single person that's listening to us right now. Yes. You and I are going to die. Everyone that's listening to us is going to die. And to go through life thinking, oh, no, that's going to be a tragic moment. Well, that's what makes it tragic, I guess, because you're, you're acting as if it's not going to happen. It is going to happen. And here's an interesting thing about it. God told us it's going to happen, and he's prepared us for it if we want to be prepared for it so that it becomes an event. One of my favorite passages to go to, especially at funerals, are talking about life and death, is the rich man and Lazarus in the Bible. And, and when you look at that passage, you'll see that, that Lazarus, he was just a beggar, common person. His health was obviously gone. And, and the rich man would give him crumbs to eat from his table. And the Bible tells us that, that Lazarus died and was carried to Abraham's bosom, carried by angels. And the next paragraph, it's 
the rich man died, comma, and was buried. The next phrase, comma, in hell. See, the contrast is the one who had a relationship with God, the one who was ready for death, the one who understood that this life wasn't going to go on forever, that that one, when, when that person died, they were never alone. They were cared for. It was an event. They went from this life to a better life. Recently, my father-in-law died, and I've talked about that before in this program. And before he died, I talked to him very specifically about talking to my parents in heaven. So that was fun, just to talk to him about that. My wife was singing his favorite hymns to him, holding his hand while he died. That was a blessed moment. It was an event. It, it wasn't a tragedy for us. Did we shed tears? Well, of course we did. But see, the tears are momentary. The tears are, are, are something saying, you know, I know your struggles and my struggle. I, I don't want to leave my wife here alone. Right. She doesn't want to leave me alone. Notice it's not about death we're concerned about. It's about the other person having to live exactly. <laughs> without us. Yeah. And, and so, my friend, if you're listening today, you need to understand that death doesn't need to be something that scares you, that you do need to prepare for because you're going to be dead a whole lot longer than you will ever be alive. And you prepare for it by accepting the fact that, number one, you are going to die. Number two, you're separated from God because of your sin. Every single human that ever lived is sinful. Romans 3.23 tells us that. For the wages of sin is death. But the, I mean, that's Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants you to be with him for eternity. He wants the moment of death to be something that is an event, not a catastrophe. And and, and that's up to you. You can accept the payment for sin, Jesus Christ, or you can reject that. If you accept the payment for your sin, you're in God's family. It becomes an event, not a disaster. If you reject Jesus, you reject God, well, then it will be a disaster. That moment will be terrifying because you have nothing to look forward to. Now, some might be saying, Mike, that here I am talking to a guy with cancer about death. How insensitive. Am I being insensitive to you? Not at all. In fact, uh, part of why I am responding the way I am is knowing that uh, you mentioned there's cancer going on within your family. Uh, Within our church, there's cancer going on. Uh, Being my age, uh, often you wake up in the middle of the night multiple times and I've started praying for people in this condition uh, before even I knew I was in the condition so I've included myself in the prayers now uh, and there is a connection there uh, and we basically my prayers are the same all the time in that knowing God can take any cancer away from each and every one of us just at the speaking spoken word the snap of his fingers just the thought we know that he can do that. We know that he may choose not to do that, but we know that all things work together for good to those who are in his care. Sure. And the people that I'm talking about, that I'm praying for, all claim Christ as their Savior, obviously, and all are living that way. Right. So their fear isn't in death either. 
there's a piece there, and this is what I'll say any, to anyone that does know Christ as Savior first, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that will be with you in all of these circumstances. That's when I told you I was driving up and I'm feeling this joy. That was the peace that God, I knew God was with me. He's not going right. anywhere. Uh, and I know that I could trust in him and just cling to him. And that is what is carrying me through this. It's not that I'm not, I'm taking it lightly. Uh, but I do know I'm in it. That's all I have to do is trust him. You too can have that peace. That's right. Kids, younger kids that are listening to this, that may be considering coming to NBI or going to college, you don't have to be stuck in a prison of your insecurities, of your yeah, fears. Yeah, be suffering with anxiousness all the time, wondering about what can happen. The the people I know, like yourself, my wife who has cancer, and you know what, you're not living anxious lives, and you're the ones that have cancer, but because you know God. See, it, knowing God makes all the difference in the world. Knowing that he's your father makes all the difference. We talked about this earlier. Uh, Dave and I were sitting on the porch, uh, and we did. We talked about this, that I, the people I'm talking about as far as I'm praying for, I, I always prayed that they would have that peace that is there. But before I knew I had this prognosis, it was in my head, that peace. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience it in the heart until I had the prognosis myself. Then it became real to me. It's like that piece is real. Right. It's not. It's not a just a verse in the Bible. It's not a concept that intellectually you say, okay, you know, the piece that surpasses all understanding. I wonder what that means. No, it's there. When you're in these circumstances, when you're in dire straits, if you are interacting with God, intentional with God, and your life is is going that route. You're in the Word. You're praying. You're taking hold of your faith. You're walking with Him on the straight and not turning to the left and turning to the right on every time you feel something. That peace is there in the midst of the circumstances. Right. Circumstances don't have to change yeah. for you to have that peace. Right. But that's how April reached me. Right. She had the peace, even though she had the wristlet. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to understand that if you really know God, God gives you the peace that passes understanding. And in a world right now where we are living in such an anxious time, anxiousness is something that everybody seems to be suffering from for, in some way, shape, or form. And in that process, what we need to understand is that God absolutely loves us he will never abandon us he will be with us through the thick and thin no matter what happens he will be there and and when you close your eyes on this life if you are a child of god you are never alone and that's important to understand and all your ills will be healed and you then are in the very presence of god for to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord however if you do not know the lord then Maybe I have no help for you to be not anxious because you're going to be anxious because you don't know who God is. And uh, I invite you to go back and listen to these programs 
and understand that, that God loves you and put your trust in Jesus and become a member of his family so you can have the peace that passes understanding. Amen. I'm, I'm Dave Wager. I'm here with Mike in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch. We'll be back again soon. Goodbye for now.